From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. If you have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 9. It will also be on the screen for you as well. We're going to look at verses 2 through 10. And here's what I really believe. I really believe that um, God is doing something. I was sharing this with the first service, that God is doing something not only um, in, in the message today, but I'm, I'm seeing a theme and I'm seeing uh, um, a, a message across the different talks that we're doing. I'm seeing something as we journey through Mark that I believe that God is wanting to speak over us as a church, over this house. And, and it's as simply as this, I really believe that it's, it's engaging truly in his presence. Like pushing away the fluff and, and not that the stuff is fluff and the lights and the pizzazz and the songs and all that kind of stuff and the coming and then the signing up for services and just really tapping into his presence that's in the room, whether the lights are green or yellow or purple or blue or whether it's a 9.15 service or 11 a.m. service, whether it's snowing outside or not, just tapping into his presence. I believe that God through 2020, I'm going to share a little bit about this is wanting us to be open to what he's doing, and that's in his presence. And so I want to share uh, a quick uh, story with you. Is May 23rd, 29th, May 29th, 1953, when the first two explorers ever reached the pinnacle, reached the peak, reached the summit of Mount Everest. It was a man named Edmund um, Hillary and Tenzi Norgay, and at 11.30 a.m., they, reached, they went off on their final ascent, and they reached the peak of the 29,000-foot mountain, the first two people to ever step foot on the highest point of the world. Now, ever since they've done that, over 4,000 people have reached this pinnacle, have reached this peak. Thousands of more have tried, and it's a dangerous trek. In fact, it's so dangerous, you can only stay on the peak for a few minutes because of the life-threatening temperatures, the razor-thin air, and apparently killer storms that can happen at any time. But people countlessly, time and time again, are striving to make the, the peak of this mountain their mountaintop experience. The first ever recorded temple was in 1921 by a guy named George Malloroy, I believe his name was. And he was asked by a journalist, he failed, but he was asked by a journalist, why are you trying to climb? And he said this, because it's there. Thousands of people want to reach the highest point of the earth for their mountaintop experience. And my question for you this morning is, what is your mountaintop experience? And can I encourage you and can I challenge you that the only mountain worth climbing, the only experience worth having that would truly radically shift and transform your life is in the presence of a living God through the person of the Holy Spirit. So Mark chapter 9 says this, After six days... Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white. Some translations may say radiated. Whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my son whom I love. 
Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. And as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what risen from the dead meant. There is something incredibly powerful and, and astonishing about mountains. I don't know if you've ever gazed upon in real life mountains. We were out west a couple years ago, Jody and I, and without kids, it was glorious. <laughs> and uh, I love my kids. I love them. I love them. I love them. But we're out west, and we're driving through these mountains, and we couldn't get over how, like, majestic and massive and powerful and astonishing these mountains were. And it really speaks to the grandeur of God's creation. And throughout the Bible, God has used um, mountains um, to play a significant role in his dealings with people. It was on the mountain of Aret that Noah's ark came to rest after the flood, and God made a covenant with Noah there. It was in the mountains of Moriah where God asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son Isaac and out of obedience, God sup, uh, supplied the ram as a substitute because of Abraham was willing to obey. It was later on those same mountains, the mountain of Moriah, where uh, Solomon built the temple, where substitutionary sacrifices were offered until Jesus came. It was on the, the Mount Sinai where God revealed himself to Moses and gave the Ten Commandments. And it says when Moses came down after those meetings with God, his face radiated with the glory of God. It was through the Mount Carmel where Elijah um, squared off against the prophets of Baal in a contest to see whose God would answer by fire. And following that encounter, following that moment, Elijah ran to the Mount Horeb where he encountered God again through the gentle whisper of the wind. It's Mount Zion in Jerusalem where King David built his city. Mount Zion also figuratively points to the new heaven and new earth where God would dwell with us forever. Jesus would teach his disciples on the Mount of Olives, giving his famous uh, sermon foretelling the end of times and the destruction of the world. And it was on that same mountain where Jesus physically ascended into heaven. He died, he rose again, and he ascended into heaven. These are biblical mountaintops physical mountaintops where people encountered God and they've come to define how we counter God in a life-transforming way. In fact, the phrase we use, mountaintop experience, comes because of moments like these. Peter, James, and John in the chapter that we read today and Mark have this encounter with Jesus and it stuck with them and it became a mountaintop moment for them. And here's what I'm, I'm wondering. I'm wondering if we are in a mountaintop moment. I'm wondering if 2020 for us is a mountaintop experience. It's not flashy. It's not spectacular. We often think about reaching Mount Everest like this is going to be this glorious time, but we forget about the, the struggle and the tribulation and the difficulty of going through it. You know, for, for Abraham, I'm, I'm assuming that being asked by God to sacrifice his only son wasn't an amazing moment for him. I think for Noah, being told that there's a flood coming and you're the only family that's going to survive wasn't spectacular. I don't know if Elijah felt pretty thrilled about squaring off against hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of prophets alone. But these moments had come to define and shape those people and lead the story on forward. And what if 2020 is a moment, a mountaintop moment, not just for us as a church, but for the church in general, at least in Western culture, where God is leading us 
to something, through something, to teach us something. Open us up to a depth of his presence in a very real and tangible way that maybe we haven't experienced in a long time. Mountaintop experiences are always temporary and doorways into new things. Think of a graduation. It's the end of education. It's the beginning of career or workplace, marketplace. You think of a wedding where two people begin to build their marriage together. The birth of a child. It's a moment, but it symbolizes being, more than symbolizes, being able to watch that child grow. And they grow up so fast. I'm learning this. Or how about um, an anniversary? You celebrate the years past and you anticipate the years ahead. A retirement. It's a moment that symbolizes a a new beginning to, to live life in new ways. But these are moments, temporary things. For every mountaintop moment, there's a corresponding coming down and being altered. And Peter, James, and John, in this experience they had with Jesus, it wouldn't last. But it was a doorway into understanding more about the divinity and nature of Jesus. And I wonder for us if in 2020, how we respond to Jesus and how we come down from 2020 could be a doorway into new faith for the future. I wonder if 2020, what God is doing in and through his people this year, us as individuals, I don't say that generally, I say that specifically for us, could be defining for our faith in the future. So let's dig into this a little bit. You know, Isaiah 43 verse 19 tells us that God is doing a new thing. Let me just read it for you. God says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. I'm making a way in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland. See, I think and I believe that those who are going to be changed and transformed by what God's doing in this are perceiving what God is doing. They're opening their heart up to what God is doing. See, that's what God says. He says, I'm doing a new thing. Do you see it? Some of us aren't going to see it because we're not opening up our heart to what God's doing. We just play church and we play Christian. My kids play dress up all the time. And do you know what? They get so wrapped up in it that they think it's real moments. I'm really this ninja. No, you're not. Could it be that we're just playing Christian? We got caught up thinking it's real, but that's not real. And I really believe that God wants to do something. I, I just, I'm, I, you know, if I'm stepping away from planned message, I really believe that God wants to do something in this church. And I know that because he's doing something in me. Forming stuff in me. And if you open up your heart and, and just, just ask, God, I want to see what you're doing, you'll begin to see what he's doing through 2020. So this, this uh, experience with Jesus that Peter, James, and John have is something that they begin to re- will remember for the rest of their lives. They, have, they accompany Jesus up to this mountaintop, and this event took place about six months before the crucifixion of Jesus. So Jesus had been ministering, teaching, and doing miracles, and these guys had been walking with Jesus for about two and a half, maybe a little over two and a half years. You're going to learn a lot in two and a half years, right? You can see a lot, experience a lot. A lot can happen in two and a half years. Think about all that's happened in, what, 11 months so far. A lot can happen in two and a half years, but these guys are going to soon learn in this moment that as much as they have learned from Jesus, they know very little. And they're going to see. So Jesus leads them up to this mountaintop. They're alone. They're by, by themselves with him. He, this takes place right after he just, he just told them that the Son of Man, the, the Messiah, was going to suffer and, and die. 
And it says that they were that he was transfigured before them. That word transfigured in the original Greek language comes from the word metamorpho. Morpho meaning body, meta meaning changed. So Jesus was physically changed before them. Physically standing before them was an indescribable manifestation of the glory of God. What they saw, what they got a glimpse of was the eternal state of Jesus physically before their eyes. And the Bible says that he radiated, meaning he, there was an, he was shining with intensity. And if you, if you flip back in the story to, to the book of Exodus, when, when Moses would be on the mountaintop with God, he'd come down and his face was radiating with the presence of God. So much so that he had to veil his face. So they had this physical encounter. And what I love about this, I love about this, is this is something that happened in physical reality. This isn't just a spiritual experience they have. This isn't just like a, a vision. This isn't a dream they wake up with and be like, man, that was so vivid. This isn't just an impression in their heart where they're like, I feel and I sense. This isn't an anointing that they're drawn towards. We use that word in church a lot, anointing. Right? And it can mean that there's something on someone's life that just draws us towards that thing. It could be preaching. It could be singing. It could be anything. This isn't one of those things. This is something physically that's taking place before them. Physically before them, Jesus is changed and his glory is revealed. And what they see is a visualization of the divine nature and state in which he will be in and his eternal glory. And you know what I love about this? Is it, points to, it points to the fact that the presence of God is something that we experience in physical reality. Not just this far off thing that we talk about. One day. Not just a thing we dream about. It's something that we can physically have. And do you know what? A lot of people got beef with Pentecostal churches because they think we're all heart and no head. They think we're all experience and not theology. But there's something to be said about the disciples who not only walked with the physical Jesus, but they experienced the physical transformation of them. They experienced the glory of God. Like, this isn't Old Testament we're talking about. This isn't pre-Jesus. This is New Testament. This is, dis this is you and me. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus is going to be physically transformed before us. But I believe that we can counter God in a way that physically moves us. Physically touches us. And it says that standing with Jesus was Moses and Elijah. And these are two significant characters in the Old Testament in Hebrew history. So Moses was the lawgiver, right? He was more than just a celebrity. He was the person who brought the commands of God and helped form Israel as a nation. Elijah was the great prophet, the great seer, who heard from God and spoke on, on, on God's behalf. And, and so in, in, in the Jewish mind, these two characters, these two people are significant. So standing with Jesus is, is these two guys, they see the fabric of time kind of ripped open and they're peering into eternity and they're watching this. Now this is something that Mark, I believe, put in here for the readers later on. Because for Peter and James and John, this wouldn't be that significant. But for the, the readers later, this would have been incredibly significant. Because the Bible says that Jesus was the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, Right? So what they see in this moment, what they read about, what Mark is telling the readers later on, is the Jesus that you know, they saw transfigured before them was both the lawgiver and the law fulfiller. That he was both the prophet um, giver and the prophet fulfiller. That his messiahship is being validated right now. It's being validated by, by what they're seeing before them. So they see these, this conversation that's happening and it says that, that a cloud comes around them. 
And in the cloud, the Father God comes and speaks. Now what they don't, what they, in that moment, they don't know what to do. They're frightened and they're afraid. And Peter does what Peter always does in moments when he doesn't know what to do, is he just does something and he starts to talk. It's good that we're here. How about I build some shelters? I'll build some tents. Look, I'm going to build one for you, and I'll build one for you, and build one for you, and everybody can have a tent. He's scared and he's frightened, but then in this cloud, they hear something. Now, the cloud is significant as well. See, the cloud in the Old Testament represented the presence of God. Whenever, when, when God led the Israelites out of, out of Egypt, out of slavery, it says that a pillar of fire led them by night and a pillar of cloud by day. It represented the presence of God. When God had them build the t- tabernacle, the, the physical place where his presence would dwell in, in a temporal space and time, a cloud would come upon the, t- upon the tabernacle, and that's when the people knew that God's presence was there. And whenever the cloud lifted, they knew to pack up the tabernacle and follow it where it went. So in this moment, Peter, James, and John are all of a sudden engulfed in this cloud, and they hear this voice, and it's the Father speaking the same kind of thing that he spoke over the baptism of Jesus. He says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. So catch this. In the physical presence of God, they hear the voice of God. Could it be that we are void of the voice of God in our lives because we're not tapping into his presence? I don't hear God speak to me, pastor. Well, maybe because you're not tapping into his presence. Maybe you're not opening yourself up to his very real presence in physical reality. I'm using physical reality a lot because I want you to get, if any term in your head today, I want you to get that. We are physical beings. We are moved physically. Now, this event is told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's alluded to in John, as well as 2 Peter. So it was an experience that these guys never forgot. Even though they're told at that moment not to share it, they never forgot about it. They wrote about it later. It was significant. It marked them, and I believe that God is wanting to bring us to a place where we're moved by his presence in a way that defines and marks us. Not just something that happened long ago. Not just something we experienced long ago, but something today. See, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Do you see it? Part of our expression as a church is pursuing the presence of God through the work of the Spirit. So we believe that through the work of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we can encounter God. So they encountered the physical Jesus being transformed by them. We can encounter Jesus physically through the work of the Holy Spirit. We believe that as you, as you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you make that confession of faith, you repent of your sin. The Bible says that the Spirit comes and dwells within you. He lives in you to guide you and to lead you. Let me read you some scriptures. John chapter 14, this is Jesus talking. He says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you. You know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Let me just pause for a second. So in the Old Testament, the people of God had prophets. They had leaders who heard from God and led and spoke on behalf of God. The spirit would come upon the leader, would come upon the prophet and they would lead and they would speak and the community would follow. Right, And then they pointed to a day where Jesus would come, Emmanuel would come, and he would be God with us. We celebrate that at Christmas, right? He is Emmanuel, he's God with us. But we don't, I don't know if you're privy to this, but I'm not privy to the physical Jesus walking with me. Like I, I don't hold his physical hand. I don't give him physical hugs. That doesn't happen. And if it happens for you, it's probably not Jesus, just so you know. It's probably somebody else, 
and you know, we'll, we'll pray. But, but Jesus said, hey, a day is coming when not only Emmanuel is going to be with you, but Emmanuel is going to be in you. And he's pointing to the Holy Spirit. A day is coming when I'm going to send another. It's good that I go so that I can send another. And not only is God going to be walking on the earth, but he's going to be living in you. And that's what we have access to. We have access to the Holy Spirit living in us. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Verse 11. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. So when you believe in Jesus... You truly accept Christ, and you truly believe that he comes and takes residence in your life, the Holy Spirit. When we talk about God living in us, it's not this wee little man like the Wizard of Oz behind this curtain pulling strings and pressing buttons. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit living in us, guiding us, and the Bible says that he seals us for the day of redemption. That we are able to call upon the Lord, that we worship the Lord, that we're able to do those things because the Spirit of God is working in us, regenerating us. Titus chapter 3 says this, it's not works that save us, but the regeneration and renewing of the work of the Spirit. He's there to lead you. He's there to guide you. Jesus, when he was baptized, the Spirit of God came upon Jesus. And the Bible says that he was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted. Paul talks about that. He talks about being led by the Spirit in him to go to certain places to preach the gospel. He talks about how the Spirit stopped him or prohibited him from going to certain places. The Spirit can lead you and guide you. Now listen to this. If the same Spirit that Genesis says hovered over the creation waters before the world was formed, the Spirit that came upon Samson, and we tell this story to our kids, and gave him supernatural strength so he could defeat thousands, the same Spirit who who came upon that fire uh, when Elijah squared off against those prophets, the same Spirit that defied false gods and tore down those monuments in the Old Testament, the same Spirit that caused John the Baptist to leap in his mother's womb. John the Baptist was the first filled with the Spirit. In his mother's womb, leap. The same Spirit that came upon the, the, the disciples and the believers on the day of Pentecost, and they spoke in tongues, and they had a power to be a bold witness, baptizing them the same in, in, the, in the power of God. If the same Spirit did all that, lives in us, why should we not experience the presence of God? Why should we not expect to be moved physically by the presence of God? Because the Spirit of God doesn't change. And he hasn't changed. And he's been working since the beginning. And we come to church and we're so stoic. I'm introverted. Maybe. So am I. Do you know that? Ask my wife. What? This only comes? Because the Spirit's working through me. Because I'm a serious person. It's just... Why would we not expect the Spirit of God to move? Why would we not expect the Spirit of God to move off? It's he's living in us. He came upon Samson, but he's living in us. He, they came upon the believers, but he's living in us. Why is it that some people dance before God and they shout and they laugh and they cry? Because of what happens on a spiritual level moves us physically. Can't separate the two. And I believe that God is wanting to bring us to a place where we're moved 
by his presence. And I want to give you three thoughts from this text that will help get us there. Number one is this, talk less and listen more. Talk less and listen more. So they see Jesus physically changed before them. And Peter does what Peter does, and he starts talking. Um, it's good that we're here. It's good that we're here. Can I set some tents up for everybody? Like, he just starts talking. You know, some of us, we don't know how to pray to God. We just spend a lot of time talking at God. We talk, and we talk, and we talk, and we tell him all our wants and our needs, and that's good. He's a good father. He wants to hear from you. But you know he also wants to speak to you? When was the last time you stopped and you just listened to God speak. Imagine in a, in a, in a conversation with this, whoever's next to you or a spouse or a friend, pick up the phone. You just do a bunch of talking and then you hang up. Hey, how are you? I want this and I'm going to see this and I did this today and then I'm going to go here and then I went to church and it was great and the pastor was shouting at me and then he picked up a phone and then he hung up. Do that with, your, do that with a loved one. I do that with Jody all the time. Hey, babe, love you. Um, bye. Like, like, the relationship wouldn't work, I can tell you that much. She'd be like, um, can't I share what I want to say? Oh, man, God wants to speak, church. He wants to speak to you. He wants to say something. And maybe he's saying, can't I share what I want to say to you? We talk and we talk and we talk to God. Talk is not wrong, but he wants to speak. God speaks, and even in this moment, God was speaking. What does he tell the the, the three guys to do? He says, listen to Jesus. He doesn't say talk to Jesus. Hey, talk to Jesus all you want. Talk to him every day. He says, listen to him. I've got a son that constantly talks. Man, he can talk. He doesn't stop talking. Like, I wake up in the morning, he just starts going. I'm like, oh. We're watching, we're watching a show or a movie, and he's like, what's this? And what about that? And do you think this? Do you think that? Some of you got spouses like this, right? Some of you are this person. I'm not. And we, we just say to him, listen, just watch the movie and you'll see what happens. Listen, some of us, we need to take the same advice. We just need to stop and listen. Jeremiah 33, God said this, call to me and I will answer you. We do the first part really well. We don't do the second part at all. I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. You know, one of the clearest ways to begin to hear the voice of God is to read the word of God. Because God's voice sounds a lot like his word. You want to understand God's voice? Begin to read the word. And as you begin to read the word, you begin to understand his voice. So when he speaks to you in other places, you know it's him. If at any times the voice of God speaks to you and it doesn't sound like his word or it contradicts his word, God is not speaking to you, just so you know. It may claim to be God, but it is not God. Because God never contradicts his word. Well, God told me to do this. That's, that's interesting because that's not what the Bible teaches. And this is how he revealed himself to everybody. This is the clearest way that God has revealed himself to us. 66 different books collected into one. 40 different authors, 1,500 years. Three different continents, three different languages. One harmonious theme and message across it all. It's the clearest way that God has revealed himself. I want to know God's will. Read the word. I want to hear God's voice. Read the word. And the more you read the word, you begin to understand his voice. So when he speaks at other times in prayer, you hear it. And not audible, maybe, but not for me. It's an impression, a thought, an inclination, a feeling, a sense. God will speak. 
God will speak. Talk less, listen more. Number two is worship before work. I'm not talking about before you go to your nine-to-five job. But what is the first thing that Peter wants to do? He encounters Jesus being changed and transformed before him. What's he want to do? He wants to do something. I'm going to build some shelters. Like he's seen the fabric of time torn before his eyes. He's peering into the eternity. They're, they're seeing the eternal state. They're, Jesus is raiding. He physically changed before him. Let's build some tents. You know, some of us, we don't know how to worship God. We don't want to do and worship. We want to do something. We want to work with our hands. We want to, we want to serve. I want to, I want to physically. Men, you are more like this than women. I'm not saying women you aren't. I'm not saying all men are like this, but more often that's the case. We want to do something. We have a hard time knowing what it means to, to spend time in worship. Like Peter, he, he's having this experience he can't explain, and, and so he doesn't know what to do, so he's like, let me, let me build something. I'll build the tent for you, and I'll build the tent for you. I got one for Jesus, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. You guys want one? I'm really good. I got the plans. Pinterest. Can I just tell you what worship is? Worship isn't, isn't songs being sung. It's not music. Those are tools that were given to us to easily worship God. Worship is this. Worship is giving something its worth. And the reality is all of us were created to worship and are worshiping. The question is, what are you worshiping? Not when, when will you worship, but what are you worshiping? Some of us do really well at worshiping hockey and football. You do really good at it. Like you get passionate. You get excited. Like you're stirred emotionally. You want to yell and you want to scream and you want to shout. And that's great. Have at it. Yell at the TV. I don't care. Celebrate the win. Get upset about the loss. But the same connectedness you feel to that, more so you should feel to God. We'll say, well, I'm not moved in worship. Let me tell you something. We don't worship out of emotion. We worship because of what is true. And when I worship because of what is true, I'm stirred emotionally. Right? You you watch the game because you enjoy the game. You like the game. You want to see who's going to win. That's just fact. But then when you're in the game, you're stirred by the game. In the same way. And you can replace that with anything. It could be shopping. Some of you, man, you just get excited about shopping. And you're loving this pandemic right now because you can shop anywhere. It just comes right to your door. I want it right to my door. I press a button, and boom, two days later, it's on my door. For a while, it was like a couple weeks, and I was upset about that, but now it's back to normal. Replace the shopping with anything else. But we get emotionally connected to things. And listen, if we just give God out of truth, worship, I'm worshiping not because I'm feeling this right now, but just because it's true, then I will be moved physically because eventually that's going to stir me. 99% of the time, when I'm, and I'm not just saying when we're worshiping in the building, when we're worshiping the song. It could be in your home. It could be in prayer. It could be on your drive. It could be while you're at work. But 99% of the time, I don't feel God at first. I'm not moved emotionally. I'm not like, whoa, I'm feeling it, so I'm going to lift up my hands and do a little jig. I don't it's not because I'm moved. I do it. I lift my hands because I want to take a posture of worship and open myself up to God. I bow my head and I close my eyes because I want to understand the reverence of God, that I need to be, uh, uh, respect his presence. I sing loud and I, and I, as loud as I can with the songs because of what's true. And what happens with that is I'm stirred emotionally. It, like, it opens up the door. Some of you are like, I'm just, I'm waiting for the God to move on me. He's already here. You just got to open the door. Take a step. Take a posture. 
postures of worship and postures of prayer, whether it's kneeling down or lifting your hands, bowing your head, those are postures that nurture your inward nature. We do these things because they nurture what's going on inside. You want to take your inward nature to a place where it encounters God's presence, then do something physically that helps you get there. Same way when we go to the game. I get my Doritos and I get my pop and I get the chicken wings because I get, it's, I just got to have those things. I get the posse. Do we, people even say posse anymore? I just said posse. I don't even know if that's a word anymore. Back in my day. I get, this, I get the crew together and we, we do stuff physically. Why? Because it nurtures, it moves us. And the same with the, with the presence of God. Peter didn't know what to do and so he's, Let me build something. See, I think the church has lost its ability to pause in the presence of God and just take it in. Like, what if I just didn't preach? Bet you all of us would start to feel awkward at some point. You will with silence. Because we've got so much noise. We don't know how to pause and hear. God is always speaking. We want to do for God, and God is just like, stop. Stop and be here for a moment. Peter, stop. Just be here for a moment. Psalms 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Not do a lot of things and know that I am God. If that's what the author wanted to tell us, it'd be like, hey, serve and work and, and be busy and know that I am God. It says, be still, stop, pause. You know what happens when we do that? We get the fuel and the passion to let our work become worship. Because the Bible says, whatever you do, do unto the Lord. But you can do a lot of things and it won't be unto the Lord until you worship God. And then you can do it from a place of worship. Worship before you work. Talk less, listen more, worship before you work. And the last one, I'm going to invite the worship team to come. We're going to sing a song together. The experience isn't the destination. So Peter wants to stay here, right? He's like, let me, let's, this is so good. Let me just build some shelters and we could just camp here for a while because I really like what I'm seeing. And a lot of us are like that in the presence of God. We have an encounter with God and we don't want to move from that moment. We want to just, we just want to be there. And I get it because I'm like that. I, when I get those powerful moments in the presence of God, I don't want it to end. But the problem is that some of us have encountered God at a time and a place and it, was, it so moved us that we've kind of spiritually just locked into that location. And so we built these tents and we built these shelters and we built these tabernacles and places where God did stuff, but we can't move on from that to what God is doing now. So we build permanent tabernacles and temporary places. And we miss out what God is doing. Because way back in the day, I remember back in the day in the tent meetings and I remember the altar calls and I remember Sunday night services and and I remember those things. I remember being a kid in those things. And I love those things. And I, part of me longs for those. I long for the presence of God. I want it. But we can get locked into what God did and miss out on what he's doing. So if Peter stayed there, listen, what he would have missed out on the resurrection. He would have missed out on the resurrection. If Peter stayed there, he would have missed out on what God could do in and through his life what God could accomplish through Peter's life. Some of us, we just want to stay. And I get that. But, but the moment on the mountain, the experience, 
fuels us so that we can take that wherever we go. I'm impacted by this time so I could go and impact everywhere I go. I, I experience the glory of God so everywhere I go, I can bring the glory of God with me. Right? I'm moved by the Spirit. I'm on the hill, but I don't want to leave the hill, but God wants you to take the hill everywhere you go. Listen, some of us live for the experience. We're like, I can't wait till Sunday because I just need some of Sunday, and I get it. But Sunday shouldn't be the destination. It should be the springboard for the rest of the week. And I understand that. I'm looking forward to the day when I can gather with the community again and we can worship. I look forward to the prayer meetings. I look forward to that stuff. Why? Because it fuels me. The presence of God in those places fuels me so that I can go and bring that everywhere I go. And my heart is for us as a church and for us as a house, Parkway, as you as an individual, is that you would encounter God's presence today in this season in a very tangible way that marks you, that that moves you so that you can bring that into your everyday. And it doesn't need to be here. It could be in your home. It could be anywhere. God is not confined to four walls of a building. But I know that if you experience his presence in a way that is like life transforming, You'll, you'll work different. You'll, you'll interact with coworkers different. You'll interact with your family different. You'll serve different. You'll give different. Everything will be different. I think there's a few kinds of people. There's some of us that, that aren't even opening up to it. Like, man, I feel sorry for you. Because a Christian faith void of the presence of God is religious and boring. that will tap in and for those of us that will tap in and and open our hearts up and receive the presence of God do you know what we're going to wonder why nobody else does it why wouldn't more do this well I've seen a trend in the messages that I've been sharing at least and maybe you're not seeing it but I'm seeing a trend and I feel like God is leading us to that to be the kind of house that just connects in his presence yeah I was talking with a pastor friend of mine and we were, we were reminiscing on the days when I shared this with the rally this morning where where you didn't even get to the message because the worship was just it moved God moved so powerfully that you just hung out worshiping the whole time and you want to know why I'm not trying to bring us back to that because I know God's doing a new thing but people were open to the presence So the difference between Peter, James, and John and us is that they didn't go looking for it because they didn't know about it, right? It's not like they're like, oh, when we go up to the mountain, can we uh, see you transfigured before us? They didn't know about it. They didn't have the story. And you can't, you can't manufacture powerful moments in the presence of God. 
If I could, I'd be doing it all the time. You can't, it's a God thing. But what we can do that they couldn't in that moment is we can open ourselves up to God because we have the story. We have the whole story of God. And we have the experiences. And many of you have experienced the presence of God. And you know if people have experienced the presence of God. So we have testimony going back to the beginning, right? I was telling you about testimony, the power of testimony. We have testimony of how God moved. And so we can say, I'm going to bow my head. I'm going to take a posture of worship. And I'm going to open myself up to what God wants to do in this space and time in this place, in this moment. I'm just going to be open. Because unlike Peter, James, and John, we know. And do you know, I wonder if, if, they, if they looked at us today and they say, hey, listen, Jesus didn't want to tell us to tell anybody until after the resurrection, but after the resurrection, we wrote it down. And if they looked at us today, what would they say? What would they say? You knew! You have the story. We told you what happened. We told you about the transfiguration. We told you about the resurrection. We told you about the spirit. We told you the story. You knew. We didn't have that. But you know, why aren't you tapping in? What's available to you? Some churches will say, well, do you know what? That's, God's just stopped moving in that way. He moved for a short little period of time for the disciples and the apostles but he's no longer moving in that way. Really? Pastor Mitch and I were talking about this. Really? God decided that it was good for him to move incredibly powerfully for a short period of time and then just stop for thousands of years? No, we have access to the presence of God. And I don't care if you're 12 or 112. Some of you are not that old, I know. Some of you are not, are younger than that. The Spirit of God, the presence of God is available to you. And may we be the kind of church that actually opens ourselves up to God so he can move. Because I believe that something's happening in this season. And listen, you're going to be on, on board or you're not going to experience it. You're going to miss out. There's a sifting that God is doing and it's, and it's in more ways than one. And I think part of it is who is going to tap in and who's going to experience and who's going to encounter my presence that's here. One of the questions I asked the rally, at the rally this morning, we meet those who are serving just for a moment, just to chat about some stuff and pray. I asked, when was the last time you experienced the powerful move of God? If it's been a while, who's changed? God hasn't. so you know he's still the same you've changed you've changed I get times changed and I get God does a new thing in a new way I'm for that I'm open I'm trying to perceive it and so I'm, I'm ready that's what I'm saying I'm taking a posture that says God I'm ready here's what we're going to do the team's going to lead us in a song because I can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk we just need to pause. We need to worship, and we need to listen, and we need to put this into practice, because if you can't do it in this room, you're not going to do it out there. So I want to invite you to stand. If you're watching online, you can, you can stand with us, you can stay, but I want us to engage. Would you stand? I want you to take a posture of worship. Open up your hands. This is not the 
and the, the concluding of the service. I'm not wrapping up so you can leave. So don't don't think that we're, we're, we're just pausing right now and we're taking a moment that says, okay, I gotta want what you have for me right now. I, I wanna experience your presence. Change me. Transform me. Our team's gonna begin to lead us in this song. Even if you're home, engage in this moment. God, God, wherever we are today, in this room or in our homes, we open ourselves up to you, to your presence. We, our minds, our hearts, our bodies, we take a posture, a physical posture of worship to receive you, God. In the name of Jesus, would you pour out your presence? In the name of Jesus, would you pour out your spirit? As we sing, Father God, in Jesus' name, come on, let's just begin to worship Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.